Here we go. Shifting into staying single, our continuing uh, series in 1 Corinthians, I have five myths about singleness. And this is from an article by John Piper. The first myth is marriage, as we know it in this age, is the final destination or final destiny of any human. That's where we are headed. That's a myth. Myth number two, because he was unmarried, Jesus was not fully human. That is a myth. Myth number three, celibacy is a disadvantage. Number four, singleness is not good. And myth number five, mature manhood, mature womanhood are dependent on being married. If you go to the website, you can read the rest of that article. But many people, even in the church, treat singles as though there's something unusual or something abnormal. Uh, Maybe it's because Genesis 2.18, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. But that was as he began the family. He said it's going to be a man and a woman starting this first family. But there are people who will be single through their lives. And it doesn't mean that you're missing out on all of God's great gifts. The Apostle Paul remained single for his entire life. And he's writing this letter to Christians and saying, it's okay. In fact, I'm thriving as a single person. Staying single is today's message. And as Paul shared that with the church in Corinth, and as we share it here with the church in Dunkirk, there are some things here that just might surprise you. So we're continuing our series in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's called Living in Light of Eternity. And the Apostle Paul was writing to an actual church. These are people just like us, probably not in a building like this. They were probably in in homes in Israel or throughout the Middle East, and in this case, in Corinth. And they are participating in church together. They have worship services on Sundays. We know that from Scripture and from historical writings. And they wrote Paul some letters. After Paul founded this church and then he moved on, they said, we have some questions, Paul. Can you help us out? And so you'll hear Paul say, now concerning, and he's answering another question. It's like he's got index cards and he's pulling out another one. Now concerning this question, who wrote this one? Number five, he's answering the questions one by one. Questions about things like immorality, things like marriage and singleness, things like using your spiritual gifts. And he's answering these questions. And at the end of the book, and we'll get there probably beginning of next year, Paul addresses what's going to happen in the future. A reminder to everyone that you have an eternal soul that will end up in one of two places. It will either end up separated from God forever in hell or with God forever in heaven. And the Apostle Paul is writing and saying, I want you to spend eternity in heaven, and as you live your life with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't forget that that's your destiny. You're headed for heaven. It should impact the way you live. So live today in light of eternity, with the fact that you will be with God forever. So we're going to watch for principles. We're going to watch for things that apply to us, even though this is 2,000 years later. People are people. There are still people who get married. There are still people who stay single. There are people who lose their spouse and remain widows or widowers. And there are people who struggle with sin. 
people who are wondering, what is it like to live a life that pleases God? And so that's what we want to take away as we read 1 Corinthians. So you can turn to chapter 7 with me. It's up on the screen as well. We're going to finish up this chapter with verses 25 down to 40. Would you bow with me before we read God's word? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for each one that's here. Thank you that we get to read the word of God, that you're speaking to us through the Apostle Paul as he wrote several thousand years ago, and we get to read those very words. Thank you that your word is living and active. It identifies areas of our lives that need to change. I pray, Lord, that you would search our hearts, that you would show us the things that we need to do differently. Help us to be active listeners, and that as we go away, that we would be changed by your word today. We ask that your spirit would do all of these things. And for anyone who doesn't know you as Savior, that today would be the day that the gospel would call them to you, that they would become sons and daughters of our great God. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Inside your bulletin is a note sheet. If you like taking notes, there's places that you can write down as we're going. And if you're watching online with us, welcome. If you go to faithlife.com slash Dunkirk Baptist, you can find the notes there as well. And for everyone who's here, if you miss part of the message or you're not here any week, if you go to our website, which is dunkirkbaptist.org, you can follow, find the sermons. They're there in video form. Uh, you can watch or listen to them later. And there are notes. And today in particular, there are some um, links to some of the resources that were part of this message. So you can find all of that on our website. Here we go with 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 to 40. Now concerning, here's another question he's answering. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any constraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord." If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. 
Let him marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and having determined in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. So as we go through this passage, there are a lot of verses. We're going to split it up into four sections. The first part, verses 25 to 31, Paul is saying, remain as you are. Here's this now concerning again. Here's another question. It's about being betrothed, being, uh, today we would say you're engaged to be married. In the Middle East, you would be betrothed, and it would be a year or more that you were planning to get married, you weren't married yet, and the Apostle Paul was asked about that from the people of Corinth. The Greek word was virgin, or one who is not yet married, one who's been promised to be married. And in our translation, it's been translated as betrothed, someone who's planning to get married. Paul says, I'm giving you trustworthy counsel, but it's not an explicit command. I don't have a judgment from the Lord. God didn't tell me to tell you one specific thing, but here's what I think. Here's my godly advice for you. If you're single, it's good to stay single. And if you're married, then stay married. Don't leave your spouse, but don't go out looking for one either. Just as we saw in last week's passage, Paul says, remain as you are. Be content with where God has you right now. And the reason is there in verse 26. I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. Paul is talking about the day that he's in, the time that he's writing in, the people of Corinth as believers. It's difficult to be a Christian. People are being thrown in prison. In Rome, they're being martyred in the Colosseum. People are losing their jobs. They're losing their families if they say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So Paul is not saying, don't ever get married. He's not saying it's always good to be single. He's saying in this particular time, this is not a good time to plan a marriage and get married if you're not already married. The Catholic Church mistakenly imposes this on priests and nuns and says, you have to stay single your entire life. But we can see not only from Peter and some of the other apostles that they were married men, that this was common in the early church for people to be married and to continue to serve God. In Ephesians 5 and 6, in Colossians chapter 3, in 1 Timothy 3 and 5, in Titus 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul gives instructions about how to live an exemplary married life. So if he was totally against marriage, he wouldn't have been giving that direction and telling people how to live a good, solid marriage life. He would have just continued to say over and over again, don't get married, stay single, don't get married, stay single. This is really one of the few passages where he addresses it. And it's because of the time of their day. 
He wasn't anti-marriage, but he's going to give us some benefits of being single. And it's not just when there's a time of distress, but it could be for anyone. First of all, he says single people don't have to be anxious. They don't have to worry about their spouse and family. Instead of being concerned with pleasing your spouse and instead of taking care of your family, your chief aim in life can be pleasing the Lord and serving him. And obviously, a, a single person could get caught up with their job and with hobbies and lots of other things too. But Paul is saying, without a spouse, without a family, you can be focused on serving the Lord. You might be ready to be called to be a missionary, as Paul was, to go traveling from country to country. And without a family, he was able to do that very easily. If we were living today, right now, in the Gaza Strip in the Middle East, or if we were in Kiev, Ukraine, do you think you would be focused on getting married? Do you think you would be looking for a husband, looking for a wife, shopping for a ring? You might at least postpone your plans because you don't know how much time you have. In these war-torn times, as we watch the news in Israel, people are not thinking about next month or even the month after. They're trying to survive right now, and they're praying for God's protection. So in the same type of situation as it was in Corinth, Paul was saying, you may not be thinking long-term. Imagine buying a and finding it flattened by a missile, or picking a wedding date, and then just days before the wedding, you're called up to military service. When Cindy and I returned from Ireland, where we served as short-term missionaries, we were there for a year and a half. And this was probably one of the most, what's the word? Um, I should have written this word down, but it was a freeing feeling. We came back from Ireland, and we had no home. We had no cars, no payments. We had no school loans. We had two young boys, and we could literally go anywhere. And we were praying, God, show us where you want us to go. And we're ready to go. We had already lived out of the country for a year and a half. We had spent time without our family and realized that we could survive. And we just had this free feeling of, God, we're ready to go anywhere you want us to. So if you're able to, Paul says, stay single, stay nimble. Be ready to serve however and wherever God may call you just as Paul outlined in these previous verses. So when we look at Scripture anytime, we're looking for repeated words, we're looking for repeated phrases, because that's going to help us see what the original intention was. It's going to highlight how, um, how we should interpret the passage. So in verses 29 to 31, do you see any words that are repeated there? If you look on the screen, there's a hint there. As though. As though is repeated over and over again. There are comparisons. And he says, here's how believers should live in light of eternity. If you're a married man, live as though you were not. If you're mourning, you've lost a loved one, live as though you were not mourning. If you're rejoicing and you're super excited and happy, live as though you're not rejoicing. If you've been buying things and purchasing things and you're in um, 
business of acquiring property or land, live as though you had nothing. And those who are dealing with the world, maybe in business or trade, live as though you had no dealings with the world. Paul's not saying that any one of these things is wrong, but he's saying, don't be preoccupied with your circumstances. Don't be so caught up in where you are right now that you can't possibly think of, can I serve in the nursery? Could I help out teaching a Sunday school class? Well, I'm so busy at work right now, I can't add a single additional thing. I'm so upset in the loss of this loved one that I just can't go smile and talk to people at church. Paul says, don't let your circumstances keep you confined. Don't let them control you. Yes, the Bible says there's a time to weep. There's a time to rejoice, there's a time to sow, there's a time to harvest. But when that time has passed, be ready to serve God. Don't let your circumstances control you. In 1 Corinthians 10 and 2 Corinthians 5.9, Paul says, Glorify God in everything you do. Show His glory, show His divine attributes, His character, to those around you. So if you're mourning, let people see that you still have hope. If you have job prospects and you're doing things in business, do it in a way that honors God. Be a light instead of hiding away. Many of our personal struggles are rooted into a hypersensitivity, in an extreme focus on what is happening right now. And that's why we struggle with depression, we just keep thinking about every single wrong thing going, and we just keep repeating those over and over in our heads, and we become hopeless. Sometimes we become blind to the people around us, people who need our help too. We narrow our view to making it all about ourselves. And those are hard times. Those are times that we need the encouragement of other believers. They're times that we need to reach out to God. But the Apostle Paul is just warning, don't get so focused on your life and your circumstances that you can't do anything else. Maybe that's why Paul reminds believers to give thanks over 30 times in his letters. We're coming up to Thanksgiving as our next big holiday, and 30 times Paul says, and don't forget to be thankful. Don't forget to give thanks. Remember, you are a child of God, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, He's in control. Nothing can separate you from His love. He won't let you be tempted beyond what you can endure. He always provides a way through. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're redeemed with a great price. Paul's reminded the Corinthians of that twice. You have brothers and sisters in a church family who care about you. Look to your left, look to your right. There's people here in this room who want to sit down and pray with you, to have a cup of coffee with you, to encourage you, and they have opportunities for you to encourage them as well. All things that happen to believers work together to make you more like Jesus Christ. Often we misquote that and just say all things work together for good. But the rest of that passage says the good is that you're going to become more like Jesus. That these hard times are going to shape you and you're going to trust him and grow more. It says that Jesus 
has promised never to leave you. He will care for you. He can sympathize with your struggles and your weaknesses. And as the hymn goes, count your many blessings. If you're struggling, take out your phone. If you don't keep a phone in your pocket, take out a legal pad. I'm talking to different generations here. And start making a list of your blessings. Start listing the things that you're thankful for, the people who are in your corner. And then give God thanks, give him glory, and God will help draw you out of whatever difficulty you're struggling with. In verse 35, Paul says, this is for your benefit. These guidelines that I'm giving you are to help you. They're not laws, they're not rules. And over and over again, he says, this is not a sin, but your goal, your aim, is to live the Christian life in a way that your focus, that your life is undivided in your devotion and ministry to the Lord, that you're ready to serve him however he gives you opportunities, wherever he gives you opportunities. Just briefly, for single people who may be desiring to be married, here's a couple of things that are true for moms and wives. They have a lot of things to do on a daily basis for their husbands and their children. There are endless piles of clothes to be cleaned. There are dishes that just keep getting dirty. There are breakfast plates that remain empty unless you fill them. A table of hungry mouths just staring at you as though they don't know how to get food for themselves. There are lunch boxes and bags that need to be filled over and over again. There are dinner tables and hungry stomachs that surprisingly want to be fed again and again and again. And don't repeat a meal. Don't serve too many leftovers. There are carpets and bathrooms that are crying for your attention. There's a husband who can't find his socks, his keys, can't match his clothes without you helping. Just imagine if you only had yourself to take care of. (sighs) Impossible, right? You do so many things out of love and responsibility for your family, but... If you remain single, you could do so many more things for others, for the kingdom, and for the sake of the gospel. Husbands and dads have a lot on their plates too. Working long hours to provide a home, food and clothes for your family, having a boss that doesn't care that you need to get home to a kid's ball game or to a concert. He just wants more and more out of you, and if he would, he'd keep you there 18 hours a day just working for him. There are toilets to unclog. There are gutters to be cleared over and over again. There's grass to be mowed, cars to be kept safely on the road. And in the midst of all of that, you're trying to keep a spark in your marriage with creative date nights. And then you might be called on late Sunday night to come up with the school project that incorporates recycled bits and pieces, and it has to form some kind of a complex machine that completes a simple task. Imagine all the time you'd have if you were single. You might think about going to school again to be a pastor. You might want to go overseas and be a missionary or help with a crisis somewhere else in a dangerous place, and you don't have to think about your family being at home, worried about whether you're going to come home. So these could have been traditional roles that I described, and they may not fully reflect your home reality. Uh, Every couple, every family divvies up the workload, hopefully, 
and that you may do different things, but they're just some examples. Moms and dads and couples enjoy different tasks around the house. And in all of this, I'm not making an argument against marriage. I've been happily married for 15 years. Total, 32. Cindy's not here. She's in the nursery, so I can say that. <laughs> she can hear me. Cindy, you know I'm kidding. <laughs> That's my grandfather coming out in me. Bad jokes. Sorry. <laughs> Marriage is wonderful. Marriage is something that God ordained. It's how we have more kids and more people. But staying single, especially when the future is uncertain, has a lot of benefits, and it affords more time to dedicate to God. The next couple of verses, Paul says, marry if needed. I like how Paul puts this so delicately. If your passions are so strong and you think you're not keeping your relationship in control, get married. It's not a sin. Go find a preacher. Get hitched. Don't wait until you have enough money for a big room, a big ring. Don't wait till you have enough money for a big house and your job is more secure, don't wait. If you're madly and passionately in love and you can't wait to get married, go do it. But if you've decided not to get married, and Paul says, if you're in control of your passion, then you can remain single. It's good to be married, but whoever holds off on marriage, that's even better. Again, Paul is talking to the people in Corinth in kind of crisis mode and saying, if you can wait, then wait. Stay single. It's going to be easier on you right now. He's talking to them in light of the dangers surrounding them. But Paul says, get married. Enjoy married life so that you don't struggle with sexual immorality. You don't struggle with sin. You don't uh, continue a relationship that should be a married, married relationship. So Paul says, get married. God calls pastors and deacons to be faithful husbands and fathers. So this passage, again, is not anti-marriage. Paul is addressing specific questions to the church in Corinth because of their time and place in history. And then as we wrap up, he reminds us that marriage is for life. Paul's discussion on singleness and marriage was based on the questions that the church was asking earlier, even back to chapter 7 when Dan preached a few weeks back, whether believers should get divorced, if they should leave an unbelieving spouse. And Paul says, if you're married, do everything you can to stay married. If you have an unbelieving spouse, live an example for them. Keep preaching the gospel, keep sharing, keep loving them. And as Dan beautifully preached, if your unbelieving spouse wants out, then that's okay. There are, there are some caveats. There are some things there. You can go back and you can find that message too on our website. But Paul ends with a reminder that marriage is for life. That's God's plan. A wife is bound. She's committed to remain married to her husband as long as he lives. And likewise, a husband is to remain faithful to his wife as long as she lives. But if either spouse dies then that person is free either to be married again or to stay single. And Paul says, if you are to be married, then be married in the Lord. What does it mean to be married in the Lord? It means marrying another believer. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14, the Apostle Paul talks about not being unequally yoked. A yoke of oxen are teamed up together and they're pulling together. They have a job to do together. And Paul says, if they're unequal, then they're not going to perform well as a pair. If one of you in a marriage is an unbeliever and the other is a believer, there's going to be constant strife. There's going to be issues with how to raise the kids and decisions about what to do on Sunday, how to use your money, how to use your time. So many things as a believer that your mind is focused on Jesus Christ. Paul says, don't marry someone who's not a believer. And while it doesn't appear in this particular passage, Paul taught that if a widow or widower has young children, then it's probably better for them to get married again, to have a spouse, to share a life, to be able to raise those kids, particularly in that day where women often didn't work outside the home. So they needed someone to help provide. Back in Matthew 19, when Jesus was asked, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Jesus started his response by saying, remember back in Genesis when it says, therefore a man shall leave his mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. And then Jesus qualified it saying, therefore what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Stay married for life. Yes, there are some biblical allowances for divorce, but Paul is saying, don't look for excuses to end your marriage. Work to persevere. Work to preserve it. And then finally, in verse 40, at the very end of the chapter, Paul comes back to the phrase that he started with in verse 25. In my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Paul repeats, in my judgment. This is not something that God told me specifically. This is not a a sin issue. It's not just a right or wrong, but here's what I think is good for you. If you choose to remain single, if you choose to get married, neither is a sin or neither is a commandment from God. But Paul says, the woman who is no longer married will be happier as a single widow or the man as a, as a widower. They may be happier to be able to serve God and to be content with the, where God has you. Remain as you are. Be content. A single person who can freely serve the Lord. And Paul says, I think maybe I too have this happiness, this joy in serving the Lord through the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, I'm not telling you something that I'm not living right now for myself. If you are a single person and God is not drawing you into marriage and God is giving you opportunities to serve, then be content where you are. There's so many things that you can do as a single person that a married person can't do. So the Apostle Paul gives you the encouragement that even as the Holy Spirit encouraged him, he was able to serve God And he thinks even to a greater degree because he was single and free to do more things. So a couple of takeaways this morning. I know this was a lot of verses and a lot to cover in a short amount of time, but just a couple of questions to jog your thoughts. You can jot these down on your notes or you can look at them later. The first one is, are you content with remaining where you are? 
A lot of times there is undue pressure from family, particularly moms who are looking for grandchildren, and they want their kids to get married, whether it's a son or a daughter, and those of you that have experienced that know what I'm talking about. Cindy and I were both blessed to be the youngest, so we didn't have that pressure on us because there were a couple, couple siblings getting married before us and having grandkids, and ours came along and it was just fine. But just because people are pressuring you, pray and talk to God. If you believe he has a single life plan for you, then be content with that. Make the most of the opportunities that you have to serve the Lord as a single person. And look for people that you can serve. Look for other people that you can encourage. Are you putting off marriage just because it's maybe easier to live together or maybe because you want to build up some more wealth and stability? If you're struggling with sexual temptation or maybe living in sexual immorality, God's word says, get married. You heard me say, get hitched, right? That's another, another way of saying it. Do it this week. Don't keep putting it off. If God has the right person for you, for your life, then get married. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're on the other end of that and you just think, I can't even give anything more. I can't go through one more day with this person. They're driving me absolutely crazy. We all have times like that in our marriages. But God says, not only cast your cares on me because I care for you, but he tells you that you have a church family that cares for you. You have people around you who are willing to help you, to talk to you. And our church specifically offers biblical counseling. And we would love to sit down with you or with you and your spouse. God's design for marriage, what he's portrayed in scripture, the apostle Paul calls a great mystery that we could see God's unconditional love that never ends. So as married couples, that's what God is calling us to, to show the world what unconditional love looks like. That you as a husband, you as a spouse, continue to forgive, to show mercy, to show grace, and show love again and again and again. That's such a beautiful picture. So if you're struggling with that, stop by the uh, Welcome Center and get more information about our counseling. We would love to sit down and talk and help you. And finally, maybe you've never realized just how much God loves you. God loves you so much that he was willing to send his own son to die on earth as part human and all God. He was fully human. He was fully man, able to live and able to die, but he was still God who was holy and perfect. And he was the perfect sacrifice that could pay for your sins and my sins. So if you've never experienced that love, then I would encourage you to come down and talk to me as the service ends today. If you're watching online, you can reach out to me through the website. But I would love to tell you more about how much God loves you and how this book is his love letter to the world. His instructions of how to live a righteous and godly life. And examples over and over again of people just like you and just like me who struggled with all kinds of things in life. The Christian life is not an easy one. If anyone tells you to accept Jesus so that you'll be wealthy and you'll be healthy, you'll never have another problem in the world, 
that person is lying to you. Because every single person that followed Jesus had troubles in their lives. They continued to have difficulties. But God's promise is you're not going to go through any of that alone. Not only does God promise that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he'll hold us in his own hand, but he promises that we'll have a family. He gave us a church to love and care for each other. So those are the blessings of being a believer. It's not a perfect life, but it's a life filled with joy, filled with hope, and knowing that in light of eternity, you have life forever. You have life with God. So come talk to me about that if that's something you'd like to hear more about. Mark is going to come and we're going to close in a song this morning. I hope you'll stay for coffee. hope you'll stay for a Sunday school class. It's great to be with you this morning. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you that it addresses difficult issues like should we stay single? Should we get married? What do we do? Thank you, Lord, that your word is realistic and it talks about our temptations and our struggles, but you also give us direction in our lives. And I just pray, Lord, for folks that are listening this morning, that your direction in their lives would be clear, that you would give them contentment, that you would help them to remain as they are and wait for you to make the next move. And Lord, for, um, for those who maybe don't know you as Savior yet, I pray that Today they would take a step closer, that they would learn what it's like to have a relationship with you, and today they would confess their sins and ask you, Jesus Christ, to be their Savior. Lord, I thank you again for all the people that we were able to share your love with yesterday, and I just pray that we would uh, see fruit from that in the coming days. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I pray. Amen.